Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Open up your Bibles. Go to the book of Luke. Go to the book of Luke. Go to chapter 23. Go to chapter 23. It's good to be in church. I love this service. I love to see people showing up strong and worshiping Jesus. And I'm glad that you are here in the house. Amen. Amen. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you look fantastic today. In the chats, come on, let us know where you're watching from, what city, what region. Look at the person on the opposite side and tell them you're sitting next to the best looking person in the building. Come on. Say it with some confidence this morning. You look great today. Sounded great. Look great. Come on. I just think we live in a very discouraging world. You should be encouraged every time you come to church. Come on. Can I get an amen? Our world wants to tear us down. Come on. We're all about building each other up. Come on, build up your neighbor right now. Tell him you look good. Did you lose some weight? Come on, tell the person next to you. You look fantastic. (laughs) You're watching online. We're glad that you are connected. The second part to our seven series, we're looking at the last words that Jesus said as he was being crucified. And I think this is a, a beautiful series. I love this series. And I want all of us grab a notebook grab a pen and write down some of these words that Jesus said. We started last week looking at the first statement. Today, we're going to look at the second statement that Jesus said from the cross. These are beautiful words. And what I love mostly about this series is that we are talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, how many know that's the best thing we can talk about? And at Calvary, we love the gospel. We're all about the gospel, which means good news. And so if you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 23. If the person next to you doesn't have a Bible, come on, why don't you share with them this morning? If you're single and they're single, that's a good way to start getting to know each other. Come on, right around scripture. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screens as they're already. If you're watching online, we're going to put it up on the screens as well. Okay, Luke. Luke chapter 23, go down to verse 35. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. Beginning in verse 35, the word of the Lord says this. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today 
you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. This is the second statement that we're looking at in our seven-part series. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That's the title, the topic that we're talking from today. The second statement from the cross are beautiful words that show us the heart of God. So I want you to underline that, highlight that, write that down. I love this series. I love that we're looking at Jesus. We're going to pray. Let's talk about this moment at the cross. We're going to talk about this for the next 20-something minutes maybe, and then we'll pray and worship together. We have a spring break patio party that we're throwing outside, and I believe it's going to be an incredible Sunday. But let's look at Jesus, and uh, let's ask him to reveal himself to us in a greater way today. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that we are gathered here in this building and also across multiple locations, homes, workplaces, wherever people are watching and tuning in. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would walk among every aisle, across every location. Holy Spirit, that you would heal, reveal yourself to us. Open up our eyes for us to see you. God, because if we see you, we know our lives will never be the same again. Heal, transform, deliver, save us. God, we love you. Thank you for loving people like us. We thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that all of God's people say? Oh, come on. All of God's people say? Come on. Can you make some noise for Jesus this morning? Come on. He is good. Some of you may know, uh, maybe you don't, but me and Diana are owners of two dogs. We own two dogs. One of them is a German shepherd. His name is Zion, and he's absolutely amazing. And uh, we got Zion since he was five weeks old. In fact, Fidel and Nicole, who are part of our dream team, they they gave him to us as a gift when he was just a five-week-old puppy. Zion is absolutely beautiful. He's a German shepherd. He is the kindest, most gentle giant in the world. Like, he will not do harm to nobody. In fact, if somebody comes to rob our house, he'll tell them what to take, where to take it, which TV to take. Like, he is just, I mean, he will not protect the house. He's just a gentle, gentle giant. He's awesome. About a year and a half ago, uh, we decided to rescue uh, another dog, and we thought he needed a companion, so we went to the pound, and we rescued our second dog, which is Maggie. Maggie's awesome. She's just crazy. Zion, I believe, was saved from birth. He knew Jesus from birth. He just is a good Christian dog. He's absolutely phenomenal. Maggie's still not saved. Maggie may be possessed, and so we need to pray. We need to pray for Maggie because she is out of her mind. She is crazy. She is psychotic, and she's she's beautiful. She's a mixed dog, and she's awesome, gorgeous, super sweet, but also super crazy. The other day, I was walking both of them around my neighborhood, and I'm walking these two dogs, and Anytime there's another person or another dog, Zion, he could not care. It looks like he's smiling at them, and he's just, he's just entertained with the grass and the butterflies and the sun, and he's probably singing a hymn in his heart. Like, <laughs> Zion could, could care less. Uh, Maggie, if she sees another person or another dog, she loses her mind. And so I'm walking them the other day, and one of our neighbors has his dog outside, and their dog is not on a leash. And it's an English bulldog, and it has come running after us, running. And I know my dog is possessed by legion, and so 
<laughs> and so I'm trying to get away as fast as possible. But the bulldog catches up to Maggie. And Maggie and the bulldog have gone at it. It was an absolutely terrible scene. They both go at it. They start fighting. They are biting each other. It's absolutely chaotic. And Maggie, she's, she's from the streets. <laughs> when we adopted her, her name at the pound was Tootsie. <laughs> Promise you. Tootsie. <laughs> Can I tell? I felt bad for the bulldog. Because Maggie has gone in. Like she's been in the street. She had to protect herself. She knew how to defend herself. And she has bitten this bulldog by the cheek. And she has latched on and has not let go for a good three, four, five minutes. And I'm there like, oh my God. Like she is going to rip off the cheek off this beautiful dog. And so these dogs are they are together. They are united. There's no separating them. I tried to get in between the fight. I'm like, Maggie, and I'm pulling her off, and I'm stepping right in between the two. And for a moment, I put my hand in there trying to separate, and the bulldog bit me. <laughs> and I said, Maggie, get him now. <laughs> Be free. <laughs> in Jesus' name, go at it. <laughs> and I was trying to separate two dogs that were united and not letting go of one another. That story and what happened reminded me as we're talking about the union that God has with humanity. What a transition. <laughs> I'm grateful that God has latched onto me and has decided to never let me go. Come on. I, I think some of us in here, we're grateful, not because we've hung on to God, but because he decided to get a hold of us and has never let us go. Come on. Some of us know we don't deserve to be in here. There's no way I made it here on my own, but because he decided to grab a hold of me and never, oh, come on. How many know you can run and you can try to hide, but once he has a hold on you, there's no letting go. But there is this one thing that has tried to get in between. And it's the serpent, it's the snake, it's Satan that has tried to get in between the same way I did with Maggie and the bulldog. And the serpent comes to try to separate the union between us and God. God, all he's wanted is to have a healthy, beautiful, vibrant relationship with me and with you. He, want, he wants to walk together as one for us to hear his voice. He wants your spirit to be energized and, and revitalized by his power and by his spirit for you to hear his voice, for you to walk with him and talk with him. In fact, it's what we see in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they're walking with God. They're talking with God. They have communion with God. And all of a sudden, the serpent comes and he gets in the middle. And he gets in between. Somebody say in between. The serpent gets in between our relationship with God. And we've read the story. We've seen the movies. We saw Veggie Tales, right? Adam and Eve, they eat from the fruit. And here comes the fall of mankind and sin is introduced to humanity. Adam, as the first human representative, him falling into sin has now brought sin into the bloodstream DNA of mankind. And that's why now all of us are born in sin. The psalmist says, oh, with my mother, I was conceived in sin and born into sin. John Piper, I love the way he put it. 
He said, if you were to grab a cup of water and drop some poison into it, now poison has filled the whole cup. And it doesn't matter how many times you pour it into other cups, every cup has an amount of poison. Because of Adam now, sin has entered our DNA, our bloodstream, and now all of us are born in sin. That's why you, you will see a toddler, a three or four or five-year-old, and you don't have to teach them how to sin. They know how to sin by nature. You ever seen a little kid lie? You ever seen little kids fight? You don't have to teach them. You don't have to teach a kid to disobey or to lie. Did you do that? Mm -mm. Thank you, Adam. You have brought that into humanity. And so the serpent comes with sin to get in between our union with God. And he has come to separate because sin comes to separate. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, he says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, talking about humanity, and separated. Somebody say separated. From the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. We have been separated from God because the serpent of sin has come in between our relationship with God. Sin comes to separate. In fact, I put it this way. The serpent of sin brings separation. And all of humanity, we sin. There's sin in our, in our nature. We have a sinful nature, and it brings separation from us and this holy God that wants nothing but union with us. Sin comes to divide. Sin comes to disconnect. I remember growing up, and I lived in my parents' house all the way up to the point that I got married, and my parents had direct TV. And I remember the finals would be on and the NBA and the Heat were in the championship. And all of a sudden, a storm would come out. And it started pouring and raining. And the TV would freeze with Dwayne Wade about to make a winning shot. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, I have direct TV. And there's been an interruption on the signal from the satellite that's coming into the house. Some of you have direct TV. You know what I'm talking about. I'm so glad that I don't have direct TV anymore, right? Can I tell you, a lot of us are supposed to be connected with God, but there's been an interference and there's been a disconnection from the God that created you. And today we have a bunch of people walking around disconnected from God and all that he has for you. The serpent of sin. And can I tell you, the serpent is still showing up today. He may not show up in the physical form of a snake. If he did, be careful. <laughs> but he shows up as the serpent of an addiction, of a bad habit. He shows up as the serpent of alcohol that wants to disconnect you and separate you from God's calling and purpose and destiny for your life. He shows up as the serpent of that coworker that wants to present an affair to try to disconnect you from the future and the grace that God has for your life. He shows up as the serpent of sin, of pornography to keep you locked and enslaved to the prison. And all he wants to do is disconnect you. And today, there's many of us in here or watching, you are separated and disconnected and you are lost, wandering, confused. God, what's my purpose? What do you want in my life? I feel alienated. I feel separated from God. You've been disconnected from all he has for your life because the serpent of sin has separated you from God. You feel far from God, but I'm here to tell you this is why we're celebrating this season because the snake has been defeated, and I want to tell you I'm thankful for all that Jesus accomplished on the cross. The serpent doesn't have the final answer. There's a risen Savior. He is alive, and I want to tell you he defeated the snake, and 
because Jesus is alive. We have freedom today. We have union with God. I'm thankful that I have a good God. I'm thankful that I have a God that gets me back and he snatches me back into union with him. Come on, if you're thankful for that God, why don't you give him a praise this morning? Come on, that's the God that we have. In fact, I put it this way. The serpent was crushed so that we can live close. The serpent was crushed. Tell your neighbor, the serpent was crushed. That serpent that has wanted to get in the middle of all that God has for you, the future, the hope, the destiny, the calling, the anointing that's over your life, the hand of God, how he wants to use you in your family, in your workplace, that serpent that's gotten in the middle, the Bible says he's come to crush the snake. Anybody thankful that the snake has been crushed? Come on. It might have gotten in between right now, but I want to tell you he is a defeated foe. Let's talk about Luke for a moment because Luke gives us some interesting details in his gospel. Luke, he was a historian, but he was also a doctor. Luke was a medical doctor. And so when you read his gospels, he's going to give us details that no other gospel tells us. In fact, Luke chapter 1 tells us that Luke, he says he interviewed eyewitnesses so that he may give a proper account of who Jesus was. In other words, he did his research, he did his study, and he talked to people. History tells us and scholars believe that he interviewed people like Peter who walked with God and was close to Jesus. They say he interviewed John who was at the foot of the cross, and we'll learn about that in the next coming weeks. Many believe that the greatest interview Luke had was with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She knew him probably better than anybody, and she was also at the foot of the cross. So Luke has done his history. Luke has given us an important detail of who Jesus is. And now in chapter 23, he's going to tell us that Jesus, he was crucified. And by the way, Luke was just one of the historians that tell us that Jesus was a real man who really was crucified. There's outside resources, outside of scripture. There's Roman historians that tell us there was a man who really was named Jesus who was crucified by the Romans over 2,000 years ago. The way way that that Luke begins his gospel, actually, in Romans chapter 1, it's almost the same introduction, introduction that a Roman historian would start his research document. And what he's saying is that he's comparing his research against any Roman historian. And he's saying, I, I, I went and I talked to eyewitnesses and, and I've heard about this Jesus. And I talked to the people who lived with him and did life with him. And let me tell you about his life. The gospel of Luke is absolutely beautiful, possibly one of my favorites. And we get to chapter 23 and the doctor, Luke, the researcher, the historian starts to tell us that they brought him out of the city and they crucified him outside of the city. Luke chapter 23 says that they began to ridicule Jesus. The royal people, the soldiers, in fact, both criminals begin to ridicule Jesus. They're mocking him and they're saying, well, if you really are the son of God, save yourself. Isn't it funny? The same people that love you a few days later will ridicule you because humanity is fickle. They will follow you one day and unfollow you the next. They will talk nicely to your face and then turn around and they will talk all kind of messes about you. The same people that said Hosanna are now saying crucify him. And they're at the cross. And Can I tell you, Jesus is still being ridiculed and mocked today. 
And if we go by what the public opinion says about Jesus, you will never have the right relationship with Jesus. Because if you're waiting for public opinion to approve of him, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Because Jesus, he commands for us to make a change in our life. If you really believe in Jesus, it comes with a confrontation about our lifestyle. And since humanity doesn't like a confrontation, the best thing we could do is mock him and ridicule him. In spite of all this, Luke tells us that the first words that Jesus says was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive With the little bit of life that he had in him as he was bleeding out, most historians believe that you could already start to see his internal organs, the way he was cut and bloodied and bruised and swollen. And as he's hanging there on the cross, bleeding out, with a little bit of oxygen, he says, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's showing us the heart of God, the mercy, and the grace of God while being ridiculed and mocked. And we talked about this last week, an important lesson, because when people betray you and abuse you and abandon you, how will you react? I don't know about you, but I would have said different words. Somebody told me this week, I could think of another couple F words to say, except Father, forgive them. Some of you are like, what F word? Forget them. That's the word. For God, Father, forget them. That F word. <laughs> but Father, forgive them is a big lesson for you and I if we want to live the way of the cross. Take up your cross and follow me. Can you deny yourself? Can you lose a fight, lose an argument in, in order to win people? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. As they are all mocking and ridiculing Jesus, he shows his mercy and grace by saying, Father, forgive them. One criminal is to his left and another criminal is to his right. Now, now, I think this is important because Luke, he does not give us details by coincidence. What Luke is telling us is that Jesus got in between the criminals. This is a beautiful picture. Because you and I were united with God, in union with God, all the way in the Garden of Eden. But sin, the serpent, stepped in between to separate. But God, in his wisdom, in his love, in his mercy, and in his grace, put on a human suit for 33 years by the name of Jesus. And he says, you won't get in between my children. You won't get in between my creation. You won't get in between my love. And in his mercy, where sin stepped in, now Jesus steps in between. Oh, come on. This is the Jesus that we have. He didn't stay off and he didn't stay away, but he got right in the middle. He stepped right in between. Because he came back to restore what we had in paradise. And Jesus gets in the middle. He was born in between beasts and now he's dying in between thieves. And this shows us that God is not afraid to get in the middle of our mess. God is not afraid to get right in between our sin. God is not afraid to get in between the ugliness of our life, in the middle of our dysfunction, in the middle of all of our mess, in the middle of our lust, in the middle of our problems, in the middle of our habits, in the middle of our addiction. God's getting right in between. And he said, I got to have you back. You are my son and my daughter. I'm going to get right in between. Come on, anybody thankful that he gets in between? Where sin came to separate, Jesus came to unite. And he gets in between two thieves on the cross. And what he's doing is that he's fulfilling a prophecy that the prophet Isaiah said 700 years before. Isaiah 
chapter 53, talking about the forthcoming Messiah, says, he poured out his soul to death and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and he makes intercession for the transgressors. He was numbered. In other words, he got in between them. Jesus was in between the sinners. And so when it says that there was a criminal to his right and there was another one to his left, oh, Luke is telling us he gets right in the middle. He gets right in between. And where sin came to disrupt and separate, Jesus comes to reunite and make us whole again. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that Jesus. Come on, can somebody give God a praise this morning? Come on, that he comes back to restore, that he comes back to make new. I want us to look at a few things before we finish. There's a beautiful picture that we get in Luke chapter 23 as Jesus is between two thieves. What can we learn about this picture? What can we learn about the details that Dr. Luke is telling us? I, th I think the first thing let's talk about for a few moments is the consequences of criminals. Somebody say the consequences of criminals. You see, the Bible says that Jesus was crucified between two criminals, two thieves, one to his right, one to his, to his left. What, what does this mean? Well, these weren't just thieves. These people weren't just pit pockers. Like, like, like they didn't just come to like t steal some money from, they didn't just hold you up in the middle of Jerusalem and say, give me your hummus and your pita chips. Like these were real criminals. Like the, the, the Greek word for those criminals there were rebellious. They were rebellion. They were rebelling against Rome. It literally means insurrectionist. They were going against the government of Rome. They were rebelling against Caesar. And because they did, the consequences of these criminals is to die. Luke has given us a picture of you and I. Oh, we are the criminals. We are the thieves. Now, maybe you're in here, you're like, well, I've never stolen. I've never, I've never rebelled against the U.S. government. I'm not a rebel. The Bible says we are rebels against God. We have rebelled against God the Father. In fact, look what the Bible says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Wow. This is challenging. We read scripture and remember the Bible is like a mirror. Literally, that's what, that's what it says. And it shows us who we are. And now when we open up scripture and it says, you were an enemy of God. That's why I love this moment of Lent that we have before Easter because we should be thinking about all that he accomplished on the cross. And we should be getting the picture of our sin nature, of our rebellious nature. We were insurrectionists against the kingdom of God. The Bible says there is no one that is good, no, not one. We have a sin nature on the inside of us that rebels against God, the good father. And as much as we talk about mercy and grace and love and forgiveness, that's not what the human heart wants. We want darkness and we want sin. And so when we see the criminals, we see ourselves. In fact, humanity, what we, we don't want God. What we want is what God can do for us. Isn't that, isn't that true? In fact, one of the criminals actually gives us a picture of this. One of the criminals mocking him says, well, if you are the son of God, save yourself and save us. <laughs> right? Like this is humanity. God, if you're really real, if you're really all real, can, can you bring me a salary increase this year, God? Just want to know. God, if you're real, 
Where, where's my wife or my husband, God? I've been on Christian Mingle for four months, God. Where's my, God, if you're real, heal my mom from cancer, God. And then I'll serve you. And then I'll, what we want always is the blessing and not the blesser. Yeah. We always want God to give us something, but we don't understand what the human soul needs is him himself. We don't need the gift. We need the gifter. We don't need the blessings. We need the blesser. But in our sinful nature, we don't want God. We just want his hand, not his face. So we run from God. The Bible says we, we actually run to darkness. And this is what we deserve. One of the criminals has a revelation at the moment. He begins mocking God. In fact, the other gospels say both of them were mocking him. But after some time there, maybe when he heard the words, Father, forgive them, he realized well, there's something different about this man. Luke chapter 23, verses 40 and 41, it says, But the other rebuked them, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And then he says this, And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing. On the cross, one of the criminals realizes we deserve death. Church, can I tell you today? As sinners, this is what we deserved. The Bible says that the penalty or the wages of our sin is death. Some of us are like, well, I mean, I know I've done a few things, but, but I'm a pretty good person. You ever heard that? I talk to people all around the city of Miami. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I never lied on my taxes, maybe a little, um, but I've never, like, I've never really done nothing wrong. I live a good life. I try to do good to people. I have good energy. You ever, you ever heard that? That's what everybody's on now, good energy. Your good energy won't save you. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Come on, that's what Jesus came to accomplish. We were all dead in our sin, and our sin should have killed us over and over again. But Jesus, in his love and in his mercy and his grace, he came to show us you're not good. You're dead, but I come to make you alive. In fact, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And the criminal, he realizes this on the cross. And he's saying, we're getting what we deserve. Arthur Pink was an incredible theologian, author, pastor. I love what he says about what we should recognize about ourselves. He writes this, to see ourselves as lost sinners is not sufficient. To learn that we are corrupt and depraved by nature and sinful transgressors by practice is the first important lesson. The next is to learn that we are utterly undone and that we can do nothing whatever to help ourselves. To discover that our condition is so desperate that it is entirely beyond human repair that's the second step toward salvation. In other words, see yourself as the criminal on the cross because this guy couldn't save himself by good works. He was dying. He didn't have the time to say, well, let me, get, let me get off the cross. Let me go do a bunch of good deeds. That'll get me into paradise. Your life is leaving at the moment. He was saved because he realized he couldn't save himself. And he realized who Jesus was on the cross. A lot of people say, well, you'll go to heaven if you do a bunch of good things. No, you won't. We do good things not for salvation. We do good things from salvation. Why do we serve our city? Why do we decide to bless the world? And Why do we try to do everything we can as a church? Because we're thankful that God has been so good to us. And he gave us salvation as a free gift. The consequences of criminals, like we are rebels against God, should be death. And we see that this, 
this criminal on the cross, he turns to Jesus and then he says, Jesus, remember me today. The second thing that we see is the confession of criminals, but also the confession of God. We talked about the consequences of criminals. Now I want to talk about the confession, the confession that we as humans must make and then with the confession that God makes in return. The criminal, he turns and he says, Jesus, today, remember me. What he's doing is he's admitting who he is. He's acknowledging who Jesus is. And then he's asking God to remember him. And I want you to get this church because this is powerful. For us to ever get all that God wants for us, we have to admit who we are. We are rebels. We are criminals. We have been separated, alienated, enemies of God. Yet in Luke chapter 23, verse 42, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Saying, God, I'm a sinner. And what I want is union back with my creator. In fact, that word remember, listen to this church. That word remember is literally bring me back to the state that I was in before. Because to dismember is to separate. To remember is to bring back together. And so where sin got in between to separate, Jesus now steps in to bring us back together. We were dismembered by sin. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. We were separated from our creator. But Jesus steps in, remember me. Bring me back to that union with you. That I walk with you, that I hear from you. That I don't allow the serpent of sin to separate me from the good plans, the hope, the future that you have for me, for my family, from your grace, most importantly, from eternity. Can you remember me today? Can you bring me back into union with you? Today, that, that should be our confession as humans. And these days that we have leading up to Easter Sunday, we're going to celebrate the empty grave. We are. We'll throw a party. We got a llama. We got sheep. We got all that. We're throwing a party. But I think first, we, we got to think about the cross. Because at the cross, he was broken so that we can be put back together. Remember me. We see the confession of humans, but then we also see the confession of God. Jesus turns to him and he says the second statement that we're talking about today. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus granted him salvation at that very moment. He didn't get baptized. He didn't serve in city care. He was not part of dream team. He didn't have time to do any of that. At the very last moment of his life, he said, remember me, Jesus. And he got saved. Now, some people say, well, I'll wait till the last moment of my life and then I'll receive Jesus. I'll wait till the 11th hour. One pastor said he saw a bumper sticker that says, a lot of people wait till the 11th hour not knowing they're going to die at 1030. <laughs> Don't you wait till the last minute. And can I tell you, you'll miss out on an incredible life with God. Number one, the consequences of criminals, we deserve death. Jesus, he stepped up into the cross and he laid down his life. What he was doing was this theological term called substitutionary atonement. Write that down, substitutionary atonement. What did Jesus do on the cross? What that means is that he was our substitute because our sin should have killed us. 
But he says, sin is not going to take your life and I'll take that for you. In other words, on the cross, he didn't just die for you. He died as you. He was the substitutionary atonement for us. That is a beautiful picture. He stepped in my place and he's saying, only my blood can forgive you for all of your sins. The consequences of criminals is death, but he took death. And now I must confess as a human and hear his confession as God. He's granted me eternal life. And that number three brings the comfort of these final words. The thief, the criminal, the rebel, the insurrectionist on the cross, he gets these words of assurance. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Quickly, we'll finish with this. Today, that means salvation is immediate justification is by faith not by works justification literally means just as if you've never sinned today if you confess Jesus is Lord you will be justified today not tomorrow not next week not after city care not after you feed some people you'll be justified today today that's justification is by faith alone today you'll be with me that shows us the relationship the union that God wants us to have with him sin has stepped in between but now Jesus came and st steps in between and Jesus is like you're no longer separated or alienated today you'll be with me in paradise see the Catholics will say today you'll be with me in purgatory the Buddhists will say today you'll be with me in another reincarnated life the Muslim will say today we will go to another sphere and try to do this over again the Hindu will say, today, we go into another place of life and get closer to a supernatural being. Jesus steps in as the Son of God, and he says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And he gives us a clear explanation that after this life, there's eternity. And if you trust with him, you'll have life forever. And those are words of comfort. I don't know what happens on the other side. Now I do. That I'm with the Savior forever and ever in paradise with him. Those are words of comfort from Jesus from the cross. Today, you can be sure you'll be with him forever. After this life, there's another life. In fact, this life is nothing but a moment. The Bible says it's nothing but a vapor. But you were made to live in eternity with him. The comfort of final Jesus' words. I want us to stand up on our feet all across this place. In fact, why don't we close our eyes for a moment and why don't we thank God that he's never left us, he's never forsaken us and where sin came to step in, Jesus stepped in, in between. And today he's stepping in between our mess and he's saying, I'm with you. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. Come on, we lifted hands. Why don't we sing this out today? Come on. Child 
just a moment if you're here today and you say Alex I know I've been separated from God I know that sin has stepped in the serpent has stepped in to separate me there's sin in my life I want to tell you all of us are sinners there's not one perfect person in this place we've all sinned we've all lied cheated stole thought wrong did wrong said wrong the Bible says all of us are sinners and we serve a God who's love but he's also holy and he can't be with sin in fact, he has wrath against sin. He must judge sin. And that's why we were under the penalty of sin. But the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus came in and he took the wrath of God upon himself on the cross. He took the penalty of sin on him so that you and I wouldn't die but have everlasting life. Come on, with every eye closed, with every head bowed all across this place. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I know I've been separated from God. I feel far. I feel distant from God. I don't have a relationship with him. I know there's sin in my life. Today, you want to you make that confession. You, you want to say, Jesus, today remember me in your kingdom. Today, you, you want forgiveness. The Bible says that Jesus, he died there on that cross. He went down to a grave. He was dead for three days, but after three days, he resurrected. And we believe with all of our heart that Jesus is alive. He's the only one that can give you life. He's the only one that can bring you freedom. He loves you. Today, if you were to die, do you know you would be in paradise with him forever? It comes by confessing Jesus as Lord and Savior. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, come on, in a moment of prayer, in a moment of privacy. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. I want a brand new beginning. I want a brand new start. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to hand you a mic. In fact, every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around. In fact, if you're in here and you say, Alex, I used to know God. I grew up in church, but you've walked away and it's been a long time. And you're saying today, I need to get right back with God. I want that relationship, that union with him. You raise your hand too. I'm going to count to three. You raise your hand high enough, long enough for me to see you. Then you can put it right back down. Come on, it's a whole church is praying. If that's you, at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Hands up everywhere. I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If you're watching online, you raise your hand. I see you back there as well. If you're watching online, you raise your hand. You let us know in the chats. I'm, I need this prayer. I'm making this decision today. Come on, with every eye closed, every head bowed. All of you who raise your hands, I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, why don't we all say it together as one big family. We're confessing Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me in a loud voice. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Oh, come on, Calvary. Can we, can we put our hands together and celebrate? Come on. The Bible says that when one person returns to him, there's a party in heaven. Come on.
Come on, today there's a massive party happening. And we're throwing a party as well. We love you. If you raise your hands, we want to give you a free Bible. There's a Connect 10 outside. I know we got popcorn, ice cream, sodas, all that. But grab a Bible. In fact, if you raise your hands, maybe tell a friend and say, hey, come with me. We're going to give you a free Bible. No strings attached. We're not going to call you during the week. Show up at your house. Ask for your papers. None of that. <laughs> we're just going to show up and say, hey, high five today. We love you. You made the best decision of your life. And all of us are on the same journey with you. Amen. If you made that decision online, send us a text. We're going to mail one out to you. It's a free Bible. Make sure you pick one up on the way out. Anybody grateful for Jesus? Come on, anybody grateful for the grace of God and how he steps in between? Today, you'll be with me in paradise that we can live with that assurance. We're going to sing this out one more time as we leave. We love you. Take those 10 names, write them down. Take a day to fast and pray this week for our friends and for our family. Next week, part three of our seven series. And I can't wait for all that God is going to do. Come on, let's lift up our hands. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your grace and your love. Go before us this week. Thank you for the assurance of relationship with you. We love you, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.